Okay, Joel. Steven, stop. I'm stopping you right now. Do you know who the villain of the week is? Let me tell you who the villain of the week is, just real quick. It would be podcast co-hosts that don't know what today is. What's today? Do you know what today is, Steven? You want to take a guess? No. Come on. It's a special day. Comes once a year. No. Yeah. You know who the villain of the day is? Friends who don't remember your birthday. Is it your birthday today? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, when this episode airs, it won't be, so fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Please continue with whatever you were saying. I just really wanted to fuck it up. <laughs> Listen, Facebook didn't tell me that it was your birthday, so therefore it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I hid I hid my birthday on Facebook. I know who my real friends in my family are now. That's fair. Any <laughs> Anyway, please continue with your with your inquiry. I'm sorry. Okay, well we'll in- try and include your birthday into this somehow, I guess. If you were to guess for your birthday feast what the tastiest part of a human would be, what would your guess be? Liver. I t- keep in mind that I know what the answer is. Oh, oh, we're asking for the officially tastiest, or are we asking for our personal opinion? Well, just your guess, what you think the tastiest is. Well, I mean, it's either the liver or the rump roast. You would think that, right? Well, what would be the tastiest? Is that your official opinion? I think it'd be the liver, because it's got all the nutrients, and it's got all, you know... What 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 is it? Actually, the liver is one of the least caloric and like tastiest organs that you can eat. Did you know that? I'm just fucking up six ways to Sunday. <laughs> I do now. So after some thorough research over the last few days and some conflicting stuff, I found that the tastiest part overall of a human is the chest area and the meat around the ribs. It's like the perfect mixture of muscle and fat but the muscle's not too worn because you're not really flexing your chest muscles all that much because you're not ultimate warrior there's still like a little bit of of fat on there because you know the man titties (laughs) quick on on an unrelated note have the police found those missing co-eds in your area yet or (laughs) to be fair the sources that i got were taken from interviews and talks with cannibalistic tribes that still exist okay you just you said research and you seemed really into it and i'm not gonna lie i was a tad worried i spent a lot of time at work today researching cannibalism i cannot fucking wait for your boss to look at your search history (laughs) tastiest human meat (laughs) my first thought was like the thigh or the loin and like you know the loin's not bad but with a bipedal human and that means you know walking on two feet you've got a lot of muscles that are constantly pulling weight and constantly moving down there so a lot of the muscle becomes stringy a little tough but when you eat something that's a good mixture of muscle and fat you get some good marbling lots of nutrients when you cook it like the fat Brings a lot of flavor into it. So yeah, the chest, man. Your birthday feast is going to be my man titties. (laughs) Are you okay with that present? I want to make a joke about how I eat ass, but I can't at this point. Yeah, the butt is a little too, like, fatty. (laughs) I'm disturbed. 
I'm genuinely disturbed. The rib meat apparently is really good too. Like if you were to French your ribs like some rack of lamb, the meat on the that come off the ribs is really tender. Please stop. <laughs> stop. I this won't bit stop. has gone from comedy to disturbing to now I don't know if I need to contact the authorities. Hey man, I'm just trying to give you the best possible feast for when one of us dies alone and the other one needs a last meal. I want your last meal to be the best that it can be. Thank you. So I'm giving you permission to just eat me. <laughs> Thank you. I think I think I'll be the one dying alone. You and your wife, you guys are locked in. That's just you. You, you two are locked in. I will be alone forever. Well, also, my wife is a vegetarian, <laughs> and I also read that vegetarian meat is like sweeter. It's a little bit sweeter than the normal like pers- normal omnivore that eats m- meat and vegetables. No, I'm 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 ending it now. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Good day, folks. How are you? I'm Joel. I'm Steven. Welcome to episode 39 of the Curly Mustache Podcast. One away from the big 4-0, Joel. I am quite literally one year away from the big 4-0. <laughs> Fuck Ooh, me. Yeah. It is episode 39 on my 39th birthday. And if you're joining us for the first time, what we do is we take two villains, one fictional, one real life, and we kind of compare them a little bit. We talk about their histories, their crimes, motives, any connections that they may have with each other. And at the end of the episode, we cap it off with whether or not they could ever be redeemed and then some listener feedback. So let's go ahead and get started for this week. And the reason we're talking about cannibals Joel picked a couple of very good villains for us today, or at least one very good villain. He picked Catherine Knight, as well as we're going to be doing Leatherface, because Joel wanted to do another Rob Zombie character, and I was fucking tired of it, so we're not going to do another fucking Rob Zombie character for a while. I'm really sorry. I I, I apologize <laughs> that my love of the fucking Dragula is a fucking problem for you. It is. It is a major problem. But instead of doing a stupid, shitty Rob Zombie character, we're doing one of the big five in horror. Yeah. Which we talked about in the Jason episode. We got the big three of Jason, Michael Myers, and Freddy. And then you round out the top five with Pinhead and Leatherface. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Both of these fuckers like to eat people. Well, Catherine Knight didn't actually eat anyone yeah but she prepared she prepared all right so let's say both of these fuckers like to prepare people for meals oh yeah they they are they are experts with the blade and the skinning when you make when you make a human shower curtain in your living room you are up there with the leather face Mm -hmm. and ladies and gentlemen we are speaking about the one the only Catherine knight from all the way from gananda australia I hope you all are ready for the exit. Our second Australian villain, right? Yes. First one was the backpack killer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just want to apologize to our new Australian listener, Zoe, and her boyfriend. Yeah, the the accents are going to be atrocious. But you knew what you were getting into, folks. Let's get started with Catherine Knight. Yeah, like we said, from Australia. And the reason that's important is because she was the first woman to be sentenced to life in prison without parole. Uh, in Australia, and this was for the murder of her partner in 2001. Australia needs to, they need to, <laughs> they need to do a little more when it comes to their criminals, I think. They just, they, they, listen, you are in a country full of creatures that are solely designed to murder you. Yeah. Do you have 
nature's death sentence right there. <laughs> right? You just hold, you just strap somebody through a chair and then hold a fucking brown snake to their arm. He's how we handle our criminals. <laughs> we put them in a room with 27 didgeridoogeroos. If you don't know what a didgeridoogeroo is, it looks like a snake and a bat and a fox fucked and made an abomination in the eyes of God. Did you know that that poison will kill a man before they can even bite you? Then we release them. <laughs> so we leave them in a room with 20 of them. If they survive, they're all right. Yeah, I really think that we're going to have two less Australian listeners after this podcast. <laughs> Honest opinion. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to be hard on Australia. I'm just saying that, like, in this particular case, there were a lot of chances that were just shit away. As most of these cases go... When this could have been stopped way before it happened. To be fair, though, where Catherine Knight and her family lived is a small town of Aberdeen. And Aberdeen, especially during the beginning of Catherine Knight's life up until the, around the year, uh, if my research was right, probably around 96, 97, very much small, kind of like one of those middle-of-the-road towns, size-wise, but very much, it's kind of like certain neighborhoods in the U.S. where you're just like, oh, oh, you're from, you're from over there. Oh, that's a, that's a yeah, rough part of I town. get it. And, and the cops there are just, I have been informed by people who live there that the cops are not well known for being the most attentive to their duties. Yeah. This is not in any way, shape, or form insulting any other Australian listeners. What I am saying is Aberdeen has a history of cops being a little lax. Yeah, I guess I guess I get it. It's just usually in cases like that you have cops that just don't do anything rather than do something and then just let them go over and over again. Which is where Catherine's pretty much her whole sad life began with everyone just kind of getting away with it. And let's shit. get started with her being a child. So she was born into kind of like a dysfunctional family situation anyway. Her mother had four boys with another man, not her father, and then had an affair with Ken Knight, who was her father. And both families were known in this small town. And it, I'm from a small town. Joel, you're from a small town. Like, when you when people have affairs together, the whole fucking town knows in a matter of days, basically. Ken Knight's family, in particular, who no one liked them. They were, they were troublemakers. Trouble. They were, they were the Duke boys without all the charming antics. And she, her mother had four additional children with Ken, including her. So I believe that she had two brothers and one sister that were like full blood, and then her. Mother had four other children with uh, with this other guy. Can we just get these people to stop running? Just stop! <laughs> no, it'll never happen. It has been scientifically proven that the shittier of a person you are, the more fucking kids you can just pump out. Yeah, and, and this guy was absolute shit because he, he was a crazed sex addict. Just to the point that he would actually physically assault his wife in front of the kids just so he could get some like and we're talking about Catherine's mother yeah he would he would basically fuck Catherine's mother wherever she stood in the house in front of the kids 
He was, and, and if he didn't get his way, he would not, you know, like, slap her across the face hard. No, no. Straight up. Yeah, I will show you how this is done. And just fucking Rocky Balboa her right in the fucking mouth. Right. And on top of that was a massive alcoholic. Yeah. She really had potential, Catherine. There's no way the universe fucked her from birth. Well, she claimed as a child that she was sexually assaulted by other members of the family, but specifically not her father. So she did say that he never touched her, like, in a sexual way. But she did say other members of the family. So I don't know whether it was uncles or her brothers. Most likely it was probably the brothers. She also had this very weird, like, hero vision of her father. Like, he could do no wrong. She very much had that stockholm syndrome sort of behavior when it came to her father. So, honestly, when it comes to her dad, I really wouldn't put it past him. Having had sexual relations with his daughter, because, you know, clearly... It, listen, it is a hop, skip, and a jump in, in deviant behavior from raping your wife after you socked her in the mouth a couple times... In the kitchen, in front of all the children. That's eight kids. Eight kids watching. Well, them. no, not eight. Because, actually, so we didn't mention this, but all four of her children with the other man, two of them stayed with the father, and two went to live with an aunt. So whenever she had the affair with Ken Knight, none of her children from the previous marriage came with them. So it's all of Ken Knight's children, which I'm led to, kind of more led to believe that the ones, the people that were sexually assaulting Catherine as a child were the brothers. They probably saw what the father was doing to the mother and did I'll the same give you thing that. I just I just would not put it past. And you're gonna you're gonna find out later on Catherine's story. She loves to tell a tale. She loves to spin a yarn. She loves to and loves to fight. Loves to fight fucking just go ape shit. Fish. <laughs> Fish fight and fuck. Oh. Catherine Knight is very much the stereotype of the crazy redhead. Yeah, I mean, so as a child, she kind of throughout grade school was known as being a bully. Like, she was kind of a loner that would just bully smaller kids. Uh, a lot of kids were afraid of her. She in she injured a kid with a weapon at one point. She injured a teacher who was defending herself. It wasn't like a one-time thing. Like, she was obviously had trauma at home, brought that mentality to school, and projected it onto people that were smaller than her and people that she thought were weaker than her. And that kind of led to her dropping out of school at 15, not even being able to read or write. And like, she basically just went straight into a clothing factory after that. Yeah. Cause Catherine was not, you know what I say now, she is not very bright intellectually, but she has a real animal cunning to her she's not a smart person and i say that not to be insulting just as a fact she's not book smart now aberdeen at this particular time its main uh source e economy main business in that town was the meat factory there were actually a couple large meat factories in aberdeen at the time and aberdeen was a very transient town as well people would come in They'd work for a while, they'd live there, and then poof, they just kind of went off. But Catherine Knight and her family, just they were a staple in that town. And everyone knew the Knight clan, and everyone was fucking freaked out by him. They were the holy terrors. They all worked at the local meat factory, at the meat plant. And that was, since Catherine, I believe, was 15 years old, that was 
her dream. That was all she wanted to do. She wanted to cut. She wanted to kill. She wanted to mutilate. And I think that says a lot about where she's at in her head. Yeah, I mean, like, she called it her dream job. So she left the clothing factory and started working at this, this slaughterhouse. And she was immediately promoted to boning specialist. I want to call it the boner, but I don't think it's called the boner. But, but basically, she was... She was promoted to the person that cleans the meat off of around the bones with a boning knife, which takes some talent so that you're not, like, ruining the cuts of meat, essentially. And this was her dream job. In fact, she loved it so much that she kept a set of butcher knives hanging above her bed in case she ever needed them on short notice. That's fucked up. Yeah. She named them. She would sharpen them and keep them in just pristine condition. She very much had an affinity for this particular set of knives, which will come into play later. It was, she loved to debone. She loved working in the awful room, which if any of you folks at home don't know what the awful room is, basically it's the room where all the useless guts and just nasty bits of a cow, bowels, cows of a of a cow or pig or whatever. Bowels pig, of a cow. The bowels of the cow, <laughs> where that stuff is removed and dealt with. She loved and washed into washed into our underground water and poisoning everybody. But anyway, go on. Anyway, yeah, uh, <laughs> there's only room for one over the top soapbox standard. <laughs> on this podcast and that's yours truly listen if you want to get into a talk about factory farming and <laughs> groundwater i'm just kidding this is kind of interesting because if you look at all of her boyfriends and husbands and stuff coming up like they're all kind of the same type of guy kind of this kind of a depressive like not really a stand up for yourself type of person kind of a pushover like this is the type of people she liked to be around because she could control them and the first person that she kind of dated out, you know, and this was around 1973, was this kind of depressive alcoholic guy. And it was attributed to, like, this dude watched his best friend die in a, in a railing accident. Basically, uh, a train came off the rails and hit his best friend and killed him. And then after that, he watched six children die in the same type of accident. What the fuck was going on in Australia? I don't know. Everything involves trains and they're all derailing and children are dying and <laughs> friends are dying. Oh, yeah. Catherine Knight was actually, surprisingly enough, she was a very tall woman. So if you'll notice, there was one gentleman that she kind of married, lived with, dated uh, very seriously, who was taller than her. She really didn't abuse him physically. But every other guy she dated was a little, was much shorter than her. And boy, she would beat the fuck out of them. And this guy, like, that she started dating, like, she would essentially just fight to fight. Not just with him, but with people who had issues with him, people who had issues with her. But this guy also knew her twin sister. And before getting married to Catherine, this guy's name was David Kellett. Kellett was known to have kind of on and off sex with her twin sister and her. And so, like, finally he just picked Catherine, basically. I'd like to say I thank you for uh, teasing me between my twin sister. I'm gonna... I'm going to stab you later on, and I'm going to abuse you, and uh, you're going to be real fucking lucky 30 years from now when you realize I was going to make you dinner. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's what happened. Like, she abused the shit out of him. They had a kid together, uh, of course, but 
after taking enough of the abuse, Kellett moved out. He was like, I'm done with this. Like, the baby stays here. I'm leaving. Like, I'm out. Did you know what happened on their first night as a married couple? No. <laughs> I feel like it's going to get stabby, though. No, no. It gets icky. So, uh, the night of the wedding, right? You got David and Catherine. And Catherine's mom, who is a piece of shit of her, on her own, comes up to uh, Kellett and just kind of whispers in his ear, Hey, you better be careful with this one. She's liable to kill you. And then she went on to tell uh, David and, and Catherine about how her father and her, her, her husband and her had sex 12 times on their honeymoon night. And It's a good show. Yeah, good show. <laughs> anyway, Kellett and Catherine go back to the honeymoon suite in the little company town that they have there. And nothing says romance like a honeymoon suite in a company town that's a meat rendering plant. Just, I'm sure the smell just brings the juices to everyone's... The, the tasty chest juices. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, apparently old boy could only perform six times. Six times in one night he could only perform. And apparently Catherine sat on the edge of the bed after he collapsed just... From being incredibly drunk and physically exhausted and fumed. Sheer, utter, fucking anger. Like, pure rage. She woke him up by sitting on his chest and straight up, right, left, right, left, punching him in the face, screaming, Me mom and dad did it 12 times! Me mom and dad did it 12 times! This was their first fucking night as a married couple. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> I know she seems a bit harsh and rough around the edges, but I love her. There's something about a tall redhead that I have to climb that just gets me going. Shrimp on the barbie, that's how I feel. Why? Why? <laughs> that's not a fuck. This is a fuck. You just gotta hit every stereotype while you're here, don't yes, you? Yes, I do. Every single one. I am the accent king. Just in case we don't alienate every one of our two Australian listeners. Three. Okay, we're just, we're gonna make sure to just get them in there. Hi, Chris. Hi, Zoe. Hi, Zoe's <laughs> boyfriend. <laughs> and any potential future ones. So, thanks for that, John. Absolutely. But after Kellett moved out, basically, Knight was seen pushing the baby stroller down the road. And thrashing it from the left to the right. And I'm sure everybody can imagine what that would look like. But Just a tall, well-built, and I mean just a, like a walking fridge of a redhead Australian woman who works with cutting bones. Just pushing a baby cart, swinging it back and forth. Catherine Knight scared the fuck out of everyone in that town yeah. so you have to imagine how fucking frightening that mental that just that image of seeing this clearly unhinged woman swinging a fucking baby around because she straight up picked the kid up out of the fucking cart and just started swinging the baby around by its fucking foot <laughs> like a goddamn cartoon like a goddamn and I'm going to say it, and I'm sorry, but a fucking Tasmanian devil. Mm, why? I was going to say a lasso, but... <laughs> because it's the only fucking proper way that our audience can understand what kind of fucking animal this woman was. It's just fucking crazy. She was suffering from postnatal depression, and 
shaken baby syndrome is a common thing that happens after. Not, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that it is a common thing during postnatal depression is for people to pick up their children, shake them around, be rough with them, break, accidentally break their bones and things like that. So she was arrested and she was put into a facility where she was treated for postnatal depression for several weeks. But uh, as soon as she was released, she took the baby and went to a railway and just sat the baby on the railway uh, right before the train was due. Uh, and then she stole an axe and went into the town and then threatened to kill a bunch of people. So this was a little bit more than postnatal depression. But I do want to point out that, like, I don't think she was thrashing the baby to Joel's lasso proportions. The first time she was legit swinging the fucking baby around. She was, like, holding the baby by its feet, right? You know how when you hold a kid by its hands and you spin around and the kid's legs go yeah, up in yeah, the air? Yeah, yeah. She's doing reverse. She's holding the baby by the fucking leg. One leg! Oh, she's doing the Zangief. Mudbud baby. Swing baby around. Yes, it's good time for a baby. <laughs> and the only reason that fucking child survived was because some local forager just happened to be walking by the train track looking for mushrooms. He's like, gonna find me some nice mushrooms. You put them on top of shrimp on the barbie and... Why? Wait a minute. Is that baby? Do I pick it up? What do I do? Do I poke it? Do, do I poke it? All right, I guess I'll take it. I guess we're just only going to have to start doing minorities so that you can't do their accents. <laughs> I am not above it. <laughs> you should be. That is something you should be above. Just so we're clear. Right after that, of course, police came. Knight was arrested again, taken to a hospital. But oh, shock and awe, she checked herself out the next day. Yeah, how does that happen? Oh. Like, how do you go to a fucking town with an axe and threaten to kill a bunch of people and then check yourself out of a hospital the next day? Well, I mean, you could just say you were drunk. I guess. If you if you play the system right and you know what they want to hear, Catherine Knight, again, not being the smartest of cats on the best of days, knew how to play people. Yeah. She knew how to manipulate people. 90% of her manipulation was her sexuality. She, Besides being just a sex-crazy nutcase... She also knew how to use her sexuality, and she also knew how to manipulate people. So she knew how to manipulate the system. She knew how to talk to people in charge. It's like those families that every town has them, right? Every town has that family that is just pure trash, all right? They're white trash through and through, but and they know how the system works. We're either dealing with the cops, dealing with bill collectors, Dealing with the, you know, or going to the hospital or working at, you know, whatever it may be. They're all trash, but goddamn, they know exactly how to milk the system. Her family was that one. So she knew how to get in and then get the fuck out. Yeah, and she did get the fuck out the next day. And then proceeded like three days later to slash a woman's face with a knife in town and take her hostage essentially to to force her to take her to where her husband was staying. The woman escaped whenever she stopped to get gas and Catherine Knight took a young boy hostage at this point. And the the other woman had called the police and that's when the police showed up and they disarmed her with brooms. They disarmed her with fucking brooms. What? Catherine, Catherine. That sounds fucked up. But what it was is she grabbed as many of her fucking kids as she could, got the fuck in there and locked herself in the bathroom with as many kids as she grabbed. She left one of her kids out there. She couldn't get them in time. 
You know, say, hey, you save three out of four, you have a 75% success rate, right? Locked herself in the bathroom. Catherine Knight is breaking down the fucking bathroom door with a, with a fucking kitchen knife, like pulling a Jack Torrance on that door, screaming how she's going to kill him. And, you know, finally the police show up and all they have to do is they just grab brooms and kind of like basically poke and prod her like, eh, Catherine, Catherine, ah, ah. Outside, no joke, she just got tired, put the knife down, and just laid down on the ground. Like, she's just like, right, I'm done. Ridiculous. So she was released in 1976. So this is where, before, okay, so when the police... When the police got her, they she was admitted to uh, Morissette Psych Hospital, and she spent about two years there, a little more than two years. And when she was released, she actually moved back in with David Kelly. Kellen took her back. Kellen took her back. That's not going to be the last time that this happens in the story. What power does this woman's vagina have? I don't get it. You're going to hear about how this woman stabs and be. She cracked the dude's skull open with a cast iron skillet, and he took her back. <laughs> and then they have another kid. What the which fuck? Which is fucked up. Why are you coming in this woman? <laughs> what the shit? Well, she's making him. That's just why. pull the fuck out. Be like, Oops, sorry about that, love. Guess we'll have to try again later. Why would you put your seed in that on purpose? All right. Don't stick your dick in crazy. That is both a literal and metaphorical truth everyone should know. For our Australian listeners, when you go down on a woman in Australia, do, do you talk about going into the bush? And you have a problem with my fucking jokes. <laughs> well, I was just wondering. Did I go into the bush and if she lets me? Out back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We just lost them. They're gone. <laughs> it's been great knowing you guys. Sorry. Here comes that two-star review. <laughs> okay, anyway, so she actually leaves uh, Kellett and moves back into her parents' house. She leaves Kellett? Yeah. Mm -hmm. After all that, she leaves him. Like, you're not good enough for me, Kellett. I'm tired of turning you into a fucking human pincushion. <laughs> I've needled you so much, I've made you a new fucking suit. And where does she return? Where else? The slaughterhouse to get her old job as a boning specialist again. But this whole time, she just keeps improving her skills at the slaughterhouse. She just keeps getting better. She could debone a fucking cow in like 25 minutes. Which is a fucking impressive... She was so good at her fucking job. But not only that, like, she, so she started seeing this other guy, Saunders, David Saunders. And when they moved in together, she started decorating the entire house from, like, ceiling to floor with animal skins, skulls, horns. All that she brought home from work, basically. There'd be rusty traps, machetes, like, leather. This is getting, uh, what's his name? Richard Chase, real quick. Hey, everybody! <laughs> I hope you all know, I really want to murder. Richard, I think you and I could work out. Will you be able to make blood go into my penis? Might. Let's find out. <laughs> That's a sex scene I never want. I really like the fact that my penis is still a fucking pancake. Me mom and dad did it 12 times. Covered ceiling to floor in, you know, skins and shit like that. And 
basically they get into an argument at their house like soon after they move in together she hits him in the fucking face with an iron and then stabs him in the chest with scissors yeah oh did you also know he fucking she fucking killed his dog yeah she fucking cut the dog's throat and he left his daughter there he left his fucking daughter with her she told him because the dog was getting attention that she wanted and getting what she thought was the love she deserved, she slit the dog's fucking throat just to spite him. And you're going to leave your fucking daughter with him? With her? Fuck Kellett and fuck this other guy. What's his name again? Saunders, David Saunders. Saunders. Fuck this guy too. He leaves, comes back a like, little later to see his daughter and Knight had already gone to the police and told the police that uh, she was afraid of Saunders. Which I'm sure the police took fucking serious because it's like, Crikey, Catherine not scared of someone? <laughs> right. Jesus Christ, this man must be the fucking devil. Right. I think that might be my best Australian accent right there. <laughs> devil. She starts dating this guy named John Price and after several assaults, he was like, fuck this, because she stabbed him in the chest. Price, or as he's known to his friends, Pricey, he was known as a decent bloke who could go down and be chocos full of the boozes. Which apparently just means he drank like a fucking fish and handled his shit really well. And according to everybody, he was a good dude. Like the other two guys, kind of fucking assholes. Uh, Pricey, according to everybody, was a good dude. Like everyone loved him. He gave you a lot of shit. But if he gave you shit, it's because he busted your balls because he liked you. You know? According to everyone, he was a fair dude who liked everyone. Who just, he took care of the people in the neighborhood. Like, he was a really good dude. And Catherine fucked him up! So he leaves, and he goes and takes out a restraining order, which doesn't do a fucking thing. I don't know if it does a thing in Australia, but a restraining order in America is basically fucking worthless. Yeah. And do you know why he took out a restraining order? Because she stabbed him. <laughs> yeah, but do you know what press precipitated that fucking stabbing? No. He argued with her, and he had the audacity to argue with her. And there was one thing that Pricey loved more than anything else. was his house and his job. And Catherine said, because I'm living with you, I want your fucking house. And if you want to break up, you're going to give me your house. Or I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> Straight up just like, this is mine now. I've pissed on it. It's mine. And when he wouldn't give her the house, she, Pricey, what he would do is he would go to the dump at work because he worked in the mines. And he found a bunch of uh, first aid kits. They were expired. But they were just good. You know, they were fine. So he took a couple of them. And she told the boss. She videotaped. She loved her cameras. Loved video cameras, right? So she filmed the, the first aid kits that were taken out of the dump, took them to his job of 17 years, and they had to fire him because, you know, he stole them, basically. They're in the dump. It's against company policy. Sorry, Pricey, you went in there. She fucking got this guy fired after 17 years of doing a, one job that he fucking loved just so she could fucking break him down even more. So then was it at his new job where he told his co-workers after he got stabbed about how if he didn't show up to work, it was because she killed him? Yeah. 
because everyone knew everyone in town. Everyone, he'd come in with stitches in his head and be like, oh, I fell down. I just fell down the stairs. You know me, I had a, had a bit of a chockers in the booze and said they are all gluggity glug. And uh, I fell. In no way, shape, or form did Catherine fucking beat me. <laughs> well, after the stabbing, he basically goes to work the next day. And he tells them, if I don't come to work tomorrow, it's because she fucking murdered me. So he goes home from work and falls asleep. And later that night, she shows up at, at his door in black lingerie. And apparently this videotape, like you were saying, Joel, she loved making tapes. And apparently she had recorded, she had had her kids recording her making really crude, like, sexual comments and things like that. So she shows up in lingerie and is like, hey, why don't you watch these tapes of me telling you I'm going to blow you? Lingerie that she bought from basically Australia's version of the Goodwill store. She bought second-hand lingerie. Sometimes you just got to have lingerie. What the fuck? That's nasty. That's nasty. PSA for people that shop thrift stores, and I'm one of them, you don't buy shit that's been up somebody's ass. No matter what. Assume everything at a Goodwill's been up someone's ass at some point. No, listen. Underwear, socks, bathing suits, lingerie. Baseball bats, vases. No, those four things in particular you just do not buy. Just just save yourself. Hairbrushes. Yeah, hairbrushes is another one. Just don't do it. Paintbrushes. Any screwdriver or tool. <laughs> You're living in far more fear than I am about this. No, I've just, you know, I was young and I experimented. I've done some shit. <laughs> so, yeah, she shows up and the guy lets her in and they have sex and then he fucking falls asleep. What the fuck was going on with this woman's vagina? I mean, maybe it wasn't her vagina. I'm not trying to be crude, but I have never been with someone with that ass made me go... Well, that's okay. I can put up with that for prolonged periods of time. Then you've never really been with someone, have you? Listen, I have been in verbally abusive relationships and emotionally and mentally abusive relationships, okay? But even then, I'm not like, oh, that ass makes it totally fucking work. A-okay. I just don't know what she did. What Far hidden in the past secrets of the Kama Sutra bullshit that this woman fucking know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would say maybe he's got some issues too, but obviously this guy was the most stand-up of the ones that she was with. Did her vagina just like invert and like she could make like balloon puppets with it or something? And that she just had that much fucking control? That'd be pretty cool. Okay, go on. I'm sorry. I'm just going to go on about Catherine Knight's vagina for way too long. <laughs> so the next day the neighbors think it's kind of strange because, you know... John Price's car is still in the driveway. You know, that's not normal. He's he's a show-up-to-work everyday kind of guy. So they look through the windows, and they see a bunch of blood through the window and call the police. So this is where the police show up and find Price's body, and then Knight is comatose from sleeping pills that she's taking. Okay, so when you say they found Price's body, what they found was a fully skinned headless body <laughs> that had been placed in his favorite chair one leg over the other one hand had a cigarette in it like he was smoking a cigarette and the other had a, a two liter bottle in his hand <laughs> like she posed the fucking body 
here's the thing, right? She had hung him from meat hooks in the fucking living room and skinned this man from head to toe. Fully skinned him. She took every bit of experience and training that she had accumulated over 30 fucking years worth of doing, working in the abattoir, as it's called, and she skinned this guy and hung up his fucking skin like it was a human shower curtain. Yeah. She cut off his head and started to cook it in, in a giant pot on top of the on top of the stove. But not before she had removed both of his ass cheeks, fri fried them up with potatoes, carrots, and brown gravy. Uh, I think we need to go a little bit more specific on what was on that plate, buddy. Please, please. <laughs> well, first and foremost, I do want to say that how this happened was when he fell asleep, she chopped him with a butcher knife, and he woke up screaming and ran for the door. Slipped on his own blood and hit the ground, and she was on top of him and stabbed him 37 times. And you know, this woman had just, her whole life, she had been wanting to do this. And I think, given the showmanship of the body, and the preparation, and the cooking, and everything else, this was very much like, because Catherine Knight was a huge horror movie fan. Loved horror movies. Loved movies. She'd watch at least three or four movies a day. So I think in all honesty, she wanted to be as big and boisterous and cinematic as possible that her dumb little brain could fucking comprehend. And this was it. She served his body parts with baked potato. His rumps. His ass cheeks. Pumpkin. Yeah. Beetroot, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and brown gravy. Wow. And then proceeded to write his children's names on all of the plates. Yeah. You know what that is? That's a fucking threat. Yeah, and she left a weird note. Like, obviously she didn't know how to read or write, but she left a weird note accusing him of raping her daughter. There was an inciting incident beforehand where uh, Catherine was like, surprise these kids. Did not fucking like Catherine one bit. They had no fucking problem telling Catherine that they did not like her. And it was two days before the murder. Let's, let's go back. Two days before the murder, Catherine is at Pricey's house, right? Okay. How she wants Pricey's house. And Catherine's oldest daughter straight up tells, says, fuck off. And Spartan kicks her right into the, in the fucking chest. And she goes flying off the porch, lands on her ass, and they told her to fuck off and don't ever come back to our dad's house. And they say that this was the moment where Catherine went, I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna fucking kill him. Because if you'll notice, Catherine will fight and fuck anything, right? Right. She would not fight Pricey's kids because Pricey's kids straight up showed her, like, oh, we could fucking take you. And, it, and, and this just goes to show the kind of mentality of abusers that they will fuck over people who they can manipulate. But the moment you stand up to them, they fucking back the fuck down. Like, not every time. I don't want people to put themselves in undue dangerous situations if you're in one right now. But 
Nine out of ten times, if they're like bullies, you fuck them up once, they will back the fuck off because they can't control you. And that was the inciting incident, they, the police say, for Pricey's murder. Yeah, I just thought it was like a weird note. Like, after I read it, it was it said something about, like, that's what this is what you get for raping my daughter, and now little John's gonna see John's dick. It was all misspelled and, like, weird. Yeah, she... Just crazy. Way the fuck out. And so the police arrested her. She didn't kill herself. She tried to with sleeping pills, but she wasn't able to kill herself. She attempted to be tried on a manslaughter plea. And, of course, that was fucking rejected, because that's fucking cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Thank you! <laughs> Nice, you stole my fucking line. Yeah, manslaughter. Am I wrong, though? Am I fucking wrong? No, you're not fucking wrong. That's why I say my fucking line. I'm going to let you have it this one time. All right, thanks, buddy. One time. We're a team. We're a fucking team. Team who doesn't know the other person's birthday. Oh, whoa. (laughs) All right, all right. I'm a shit-ass piece of fuck. Sorry. When's my birthday, Joel? Does it matter? When is my birthday, Joel? Honestly, I knew your birthday. When is I it? I knew you were going to ask. When is it? I completely <laughs> forgot it the moment you asked. Okay. I wrote it down. It's on a piece of paper <laughs> in the kitchen. I wrote it down because I knew you were going to ask yeah. this question. That's what I fucking thought. You cunt. <laughs> yeah. That's what you get. I'm glad that I'm a shitty friend now. Anyway, they her defense team tried to claim amnesia and a dissociation and... But she was obviously found to be at least sane enough to know that she was murdering people. And uh, then she just kind of switched her plea to guilty without really any reasoning why. Probably because she knew she was fucked and just kind of owned it at this point. Oh, yeah. But she sort of didn't own it because she still refused responsibility for her actions. Because that's what fucking crazy abusers do. Here's the thing. Here's the funny part is is that like the prosecutor, people from Aberdeen would come up to him, right? And they would use like sports terminology to him you know just be like it's the end of the game you've got to make the final shot you've got to you've got to win this one for us they were that scared of her like people were begging the prosecutor mate don't fuck it up don't fuck it up (laughs) you fucked it up no no she's she's in prison and she is living her best life in prison when interviewed in 2008, they asked her, she said, oh, I'm happy here. I'm at peace. I really like it here. I'm in a happy place. I mean, she did try to appeal in 2006, but it was denied. So she obviously wants out, but... Well, yeah, but she knows she's not going to get out. So she is the fucking boss on that yard, man. No one fucks yeah. with her. No one. Yeah, and kind of like what we said at the beginning of the episode, you know, she was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Like, this is the first time that's ever been done for a woman in Australia. First time life sentence with no parole for a woman. Yeah. I do ask our Australian listeners how familiar they are with this case, because obviously I'd never heard of this woman before you had you'd brought her up. I'm sure you have because you're the rain man of serial killers. Well, she's not a serial killer, but she's you're the rain man of violent crimes. <laughs> As in you know about violent crimes, not that you commit them. Yeah, definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely gonna, definitely rape, yeah, definitely bad, bad, so bad. For our Australian listeners, if we haven't completely turned you off of our podcast yet, I do want to know, like, how familiar you are with this case and how, how high profile it is over there, because I'm just interested. From what I was told and what I've read, it was well known. Because, you know, just, and the thing is, is that 
she currently is kind of like the boss of the work detail in the women's prison, which makes the headphones that they sell to you on airline flights that you got to pay extra money for to be able to watch the TVs back in the day. She made those. Her prison makes the majority of what like United Airlines, Southwest, and all these airlines. All right, you ready to move on to Leatherface? Absolutely. All right. So Leatherface was created by Toby Hooper and Kim Henkel for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. Uh, he was reportedly inspired by Ed Gein, uh, who, if you uh, have been listening to us from the beginning, go back to episode two, because that's where we talk lots of info about Ed Gein and his nipple belts. Because yeah, Ed Gein would make masks out of, of course, people's skins, you know, cut off women's vaginas, wear them, you know, put his dick through the old dried out vagina, and you know, crazy shit. And it's just weird that this hulking mongoloid of a human being that is Leatherface would be the inspired by... Well, hi, my name's Ed Gein, and, uh, oh, goodness gracious, I just wish I had a vagina. <laughs> How old did you say your mother was? Sixty. Oh, well, I'm just saying, Ed might be in love. <laughs> How's your mom's nipple? Ooh, Ew! <laughs> hey, you know my favorite thing about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchises? Is that they keep getting John Larroquette to do the opening intro? voiceover i was just gonna say it has the same abbreviation as our podcast oh my god texas chainsaw the curly must nice <laughs> nice <laughs> that was totally intentional too. oh okay i just I... 100 that was yeah. i did not know that it was not intentional i'm being an asshole so leatherface has appeared as the antagonist in seven texas chainsaw massacre films in the original film he worked in town at the slaughterhouse at the meat packing plant. Basically, his entire family worked in uh, worked there. The character was written as being under control by his family and basically will do anything for them. So he's kind of like this hulking figure that's still under the thumb of of his powerful older family members. <laughs> there was this funny interview. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the show was called. It was like the truth behind the screams or some bullshit. And Toby Hooper, who... I'll talk about Toby Hooper here in a second, but Toby Hooper basically just said that all of Leatherface's kills were in self-defense because he's a, a little bit afraid when people come to his house. And I stand on top of my soapbox and I say unto thee, Bullshit! <laughs> yeah, fucking bullshit. Dude, Toby Hooper infuriates me because his movie's fucking... Okay. All right. I'm going to go into a Stevens movie rant here for a second. Please. And I'll, I'll join in whenever pertinent. Toby Hooper has a couple of films that I like. I really like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I also feel very, very much that it's an anomaly of his career. Like, he has a couple other movies like, uh, like Life Force, which is about naked space vampires, and uh, Fun House, which is about a weird masturbating guy in a monster in a mask, which are just... Mostly trash, but some fun things about them. And then he has this bright, shining star on his career called Poltergeist, which is a hundred percent a Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah, Steven Spielberg directed that fucking movie. Okay, I don't give a fuck how many times I've seen Toby Hooper as the director of that movie. I don't believe it. 
I refuse to believe it. Yeah. Now, here's a question for you. Did he direct the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2? Yeah, he did. I'm going to say it. I loved Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. No, because... It's fun. It's fun. It's different. It's way different. Bat shit. A Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like Evil Dead, right? And Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is the... It's Toby Hooper's Evil Dead 2, where it is yeah, I can just... See that fucking batshit crazy i can appreciate that he took a bigger budget and didn't just remake the movie shot for shot he decided to go with an entirely different tone of the film i think he's a trash director i'm sorry eat my ass toby (laughs) but mortuary i loved life force i'm just gonna say it now that's a yeah. fucked up. It's movie. naked space vampires. Naked space vampires. This is fucked up. It's so good. Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. He he actually wrote that as a dark comedy, and not really anybody was on board. So it was just kind of weird. Like I mean, it was enjoyable. There were some really fun moments about it, but like it never really pulled in either direction. So it didn't really know what it wanted to be, especially when he threw Dennis Hopper's weird, funny, creepy ass in it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Do you throw Dennis Hopper and just be like, hey Hopper? Just be you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's basically it. He has to. It was the same as in The Crow, the fourth Crow movie. Okay. <laughs> Never saw that one. Oh, Edward Furlong plays the Crow, and he fights David Boreanaz, a.k.a. the Devil, and his four henchmen of the apocalypse, one of which is the, the horseman of the apocalypse war, played by Tito Ortez. Anyway. The UFC, of UFC fame, right? Yes. Dennis Hopper place a satanic priest pimp who runs a brothel with his side with his main bottom bitch macy gray and it's like they just told dennis hopper to go nuts so any movie where dennis hopper just is like fuck it let's go cuckoo for cocoa puffs people wow (laughs) i said the phrase that really disappoints me that he was in that movie danny trejo's in it too apparently oh yeah yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Just a little more about Leatherface. Basically, him and his family use the bones and human skin to upholster clothes and furniture inside their house, much like Ed Gein. And they process the flesh into, like, barbecue and chili, which they sell at the local restaurant slash gas station. In the original film, the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a couple and their friends, they go to check this nearby cemetery to make sure their grandfather's grave hasn't been fucked with because there's some reports that there's some grave robbing going around. Also an Ed Gein thing. Basically, the movie goes through Leathercase, fucking kills pretty much everybody, except for the protagonist, Sally, and they bring her back planning to eat her, but she escapes and causes Leatherface to accidentally saw his own leg. I love it. The end of the movie where he's swinging that fucking chainsaw around. (laughs) Oh, it's great. (laughs) It's fucking great. So that scene has some of the best horror cinematography like ever in my opinion the scene that they catch with the sun setting over the fence posts is just such a like perfect southern farm town blend of like tranquility and horror at the same time and i I, it's fucking genius maybe it was never intended to be that genius but it's in my opinion it's one of the best shots in horror ever and it's it's one of those disappointing it's one of those frustrating scenes because you see that and this is toby hooper's like first real film Right, And you see the way it's shot. And you see how well-paced this movie is. It, I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's horror trope 101. But the pacing and 
the, and the, the screaming. The, yeah, and the way it's shot, especially that last scene in the sunset. The la you see such fucking talent. And then he just shits the bed. <laughs> like, I, I do agree. Toby Hooper is a trash director, but he does have some talent. There is a talented eye there. It's just never used to pull... It's never been used to full potential, I don't feel. No. Like I said, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, you know, he seemingly died at the end when, he, you know, he fights Dennis Hopper because I think Dennis Hopper has this line where he's like, it takes a chainsaw murderer to kill a chainsaw murderer or some shit like that. It takes a chainsaw murderer, man, to kill another chainsaw murderer, man! <laughs> he's so silly. It's such a silly film. I love it. There's an explosion and you think that uh, you think that Leatherface dies. And then you've got Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, which I can honestly admit to I have no fucking clue what that movie is about. I don't know that I've ever seen that movie. All I know is Viggo Mortensen is in that yeah, movie. I have no fucking clue. Like, somehow, in all the shitty sequels of horror franchises that I've seen, maybe I've seen TCM 3, but I don't remember a goddamn thing about it. Not a single thing. Yeah. I just remember watching Lord of the Rings for the first time and Aragon came on the screen and I just went, wasn't he in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie? Yeah, definitely. Holy shit, it's the guy from number three. And uh, and you also find out he has some extended family and is, he possibly has a daughter out of rape in it. Yeah, I mean, it's Leatherface. Do you honestly expect a loving, caring relationship? And then, of course, this is the one I do remember, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, <laughs> talking about famous faces, because this one actually had Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellwinger in it, I believe. Neither one of them will talk about that movie. Holy shit. He was like a, a screaming, pizza-eating trans person who was like, involved in the Illuminati conspiracy with a different family this time. And he's like shown as incompetent and basically just leaves the protagonist alone when, when they tell him to shut up. Yeah. And again, Matthew fucking McConaughey is in this movie as one of the cannibalistic psycho uh, conspiracy theory killers. Yeah. It's fucking amazingly bad. Yeah. It's horrible. It's, it's horribly awesomely bad i kind of want to watch watch it and i want to watch tcm3 just to just to do it <laughs> yes just to do it <laughs> so now uh let's talk about texas chainsaw 3d and he's revealed as jedediah sawyer and has even more extended family and uh, in this film the protagonist you find out is his cousin and uh you find out that they survived a house fire together as children and then there's a really stupid fucking Ending where him and his cousin team up against somebody else. Yeah, she throws him a chainsaw and is like, get him, cuz. I've never heard of this movie. When was this movie made? Maybe like 2012 or something like that. Was it the last one? Or no, there was one There was one recently called Leatherface. But there was the one before that was called Texas Chainsaw 3D. Oh, I'm going to have to look this up. I'm going to have to. It's terrible. Oh, I'm watching it. I'm fucking watching it. And then in 2003, a... Kind of a darker, grittier remake was made. And it was produced by Michael Bay, and uh, along with a prequel for it. And this is where Leatherface was kind of even bigger. He was... Uh, I can't remember who played him in this movie. A very creepy-looking fucking uh, actor. Like, he's just a weird-looking dude. And just big, huge guy. In this movie, he worked at the local butcher plant, was let go along with his family. 
And uh, they basically turn to kidnapping and murdering people and stealing them and, like, eating them and stuff. So I just want to say, and I don't know what your feelings are, 2003 remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, they had a trend of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, and Nightmare on Elm Street. And in a couple of the child's play, like, they were really moving it into crazy fucking territory. Like, this was, they were trying to reinvent these characters for a new generation. I personally feel like, as far as these remakes go, Leatherface was the best done out of all these attempted remakes. I feel that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was the best. That I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it was out of all these remakes of classic horror films. That one was kind of the best. Almost agree with you. I really enjoyed the 2003 remake. Like, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I would say that it was good. I wasn't a huge fan of the prequel that they made to it, but the remake itself was really dark. It was brutal as fuck. Like, I remember going and seeing it in the theater in Seymour, actually. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, I saw it at The Great Escape in Seymour, and uh, I remember Leatherface cutting off somebody's knee and shoving them on a meat hook and then shoving salt up into the wound. And I was just like, uh, you know, I agree with you. I think the only remake of one of those classic horror movies that I like more is the Evil Dead remake that came out a few years ago. Yeah, that was really it good. It was really fucking but good. But I think the best part of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake had to be Arlie Ermy, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Fucking the drill instructor from Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, he was great. Leatherface, you son of a bitch, you would behoove you to drop it, get me, God. It was good shit. He was really, really good in it. Oh, I love Arlie Ermey. Love that man. In these remakes, his name was Thomas Hewitt, and they actually gave him some backstory. Like, so as a child, he suffered from a skin disease, which caused, like, deterioration of his face. So he wore a leather mask when he was a kid, but started self-mutilating and was diagnosed with a neurodegeneration at age 12. So, like, basically what he would do is, like, stitch people's faces together to wear a mask so that, you know, nobody had to see his face that was basically rotting off because <laughs> that way better yeah remember like the creepy big lady and like the other woman with the baby in that trailer on the property <laughs> like so weird she was like now we'll help you oh come on now child don't be scared of my family nobody's gonna bother you he knows better than to come here it's like what the fuck this shit's weird i think jessica beale was the the protagonist in that movie yeah yep Yep. The movie ends when she chops off Leatherface's arm with a meat cleaver. And then runs over Arlie Army. Which, you know, I was okay with. Yeah, of course. Duh. He was a terrible person. So, as far as other uh, media goes, you know, in 1991, Mort Castle wrote a comic series based off of the third movie. So, that's another reason to see that movie. In 1995, Topps released a three-part Leatherface versus Jason comic series. So, he's definitely been in the comics. And then, of course, you've seen him in a lot of different video games, like the Mortal Kombat series and Dead by Daylight. Wait, Dead by Daylight? Oh, yeah, 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 the horror, the, the slasher one. Yeah, yeah, you, it's like a multiplayer game where, where you can either pick to be the victims and try and escape or pick to be the slasher and kill your victims. Yes, 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 I know what you're talking the, about. And the last thing that I actually got to do back in 2014 was uh, it was actually re-released in 4K resolution remastering and 7.1 surround sound. And I went and saw it in Louisville at Baxter Avenue. 
And, dude, the screams in this fucking movie gave me just cold chills. Like, the entire time. Really? It was just, it was incredible. If you ever get a chance to see this movie in theaters, specifically, either, honestly, either with, with the original film or with the remastering, like, totally fucking worth it. Take your word for it. And lastly, his body count at the end of the franchise is 31 people. Kind of weak, but, you know, as far as slashers go. Yeah. It's no Jason, like, a hundred and something. Yeah. But I get what you're saying. And he, you know, he kills with a chainsaw and meat hooks and meat tenderizers and shit like that. (laughs) 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 Yeah, there's a really brutal part of one of the remakes where he just straight brutalizes this dude's head with a meat tenderizer. Ah, the very first one when they hit him that one time and he's on the ground and his body starts shaking. Yeah, just straight seizure mode. Oh, that's the death rattle, ladies and gentlemen, and I was fucking done with it. (laughs) All right, you ready to go to the bowler hat scale? Absolutely. Steven, where do you want to put Catherine Knight? Subjectively, I want to put her way high. Objectively, she killed one person and had a really fucked up traumatic childhood. Most of these people that we talk about have really fucked up childhood so it's you know you can't it's hard to really base that on it i'm you know the the severity of the gore factors in too so uh but because it was just one person i guess i'm gonna go like a a seven or an eight oh yeah she gets uh, for me the fact even if it's just one person being a serial abuser is 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 terrible as it is yeah right skinning someone and putting their skin on a hook and cutting up their body and then then basically posing the body like it's one of those stuffed taxidermied animals that you have lining the wall in your house is just whoo besides the fact that you cooked his ass you cooked his ass <laughs> so yeah she gets a she gets a strong eight okay leatherface 31 people uh yeah I'm going to go nine because he always seems to get defeated. Yep. Same with me. It's a strong nine. Yeah. He gets a strong nine just because of the brutality of it and the creep factor and the skinning people's faces and wearing them when the other ones wear off and eating flesh or rape. And it just, yeah, he's a strong nine. Leatherface yeah. gets a nine. Solid nine. Solid yeah. nine. Neither one of these people are able to be redeemed, I don't think. Maybe Catherine Knight's life is different if her childhood isn't so fucked up. Ah. Uh, probably. Probably much different. It now, probably not. I'm going to just say there's some people just they're fucked. You know? They're just, I, I know that's terrible to say, but they're just some people who are fucked from birth. They're just there's. I know that sounds terrible. And I'm not saying if you have a mental issue that you are beyond help in any capacity. But there is a very small percentage of the world population where you're just born bad. You're Bundys. You're Dahmers. You're yeah. not, well, not, Dahmer was one of those where it's like, man, he could have been a good, okay guy. Yeah. He'd been a real creepy guy. <laughs> but maybe he would have. Maybe would have made it. He might have made it. Had they just got to a Bundy, there was no hope for him. You know what I mean? Just, but yeah. They're just somewhere they're fucked beyond repair. Sorry, Catherine Knights. She, yeah, she's just fucked. All right. Fair enough. 
All right, let's get to the listener feedback. Yes, because I would very much like for you to read this particular first piece of feedback since you, sir, are a disinformation agent. Sure. Trying to spread spread fake news all over our podcast. So this one is from Zoe. She says, hey, fellas, new avid fan of the podcast of... And one of your few Australian listeners, <laughs> not anymore, loved your shaming of our pathetic prime minister. However, I must fact check you on the arsonist claims. Most of the fires are not due to arsonist, but in fact, dry lightning. The land itself is fucked because of years of drought and the fire season has started super early due to climate change. The arson claim is being circulated online to distract from the bigger long-term issues that require Australia to be serious about climate change. Something our current government has a notoriously terrible stance on. Just an FYI. All the best. Loving the podcast. Zoe, thank you so much for putting Stephen in his place. Well, first and foremost, she said most of the fires. So some of the fires are still done by arsonists. Oh, no, we're not going there. Listen. She said most. I'm just reading it, Joel. It sounds like you're being an asshole. Okay. you, you, Imagine that. Imagine that, Joel being an asshole. Fake news. <laughs> Fake news. Uh, I appreciate that, Zoe. It sounds like uh, Australian media is as shitty as American media when it comes to misinformation. Isn't there major news outlet and newspapers owned by, who is that guy, Robert Rupert Murdoch? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that asshole. That fucking piece of, he's very much like our that one guy that we talked about in the last episode. That fucking piece of shit. Gertler, Dan Gertler. Fucking piece of shit. Rupert Murdoch has that same response from me. That sucks, though. Like, that's a lot of dead animals and, and mis- misplaced people. Yeah. If only our world would be a, pay a little more attention to what the earth is telling us. We can't do that. How are we going to have a standing army and make lots of money? Our economy is going strong. We can't listen to the fucking earth. That's your goddamn mind. Joel, you want to hit us with that second piece? Our second piece of feedback comes from Matt. Who says, the more I hear about Aleister Crowley, the more I wish I could have punched that fucking douchebag. He's like a fucking dandy version of Karl Marx. A theoretical human sponging off society, duping good people into believing his made-up bullshit. I love that concept of him. A dandy version of Karl Marx. It never occurred to me, but I love it. And it's, it's, it's very accurate. Yeah. I mean, like, like I, I think I said in that episode, he was essentially a cult leader. Yeah. And I don't like cults. I don't respect them, and I don't he like was, them. He was, he was. We're not going to go down the, we're not going to go down the uh, Aleister Crowley uh, hole because Ew. I, <laughs> not like Noidberg. <laughs> Jared said, ah, the million dollar man, one of the best heels of all time. Fucking agreed. <laughs> I, I'll give it to you. He really is. He's he was just amazing. If you have the WWE Network, I don't know if a lot of you do, but if you if you do, just get on there and check out some old Million Dollar Man matches. And I think there might be a documentary about him on Amazon Prime right now that I've heard is really good. I haven't watched it yet, but I've had a few people tell me that it's excellent. Joel, I have some more feedback for us both from a couple people that I work with. Both named Matt. Both have been, uh, both have provided feedback with us before. They both are now on this train that we need to do an episode on this guy from Don't Fuck With Cats, this documentary on Netflix. I've heard about it. I just, I haven't watched. So that's three people now, three listeners that have told us that we need to do this guy. So I'm laying it out. We're going to do this guy. All right. Okay. 
I'll get to watching it. We're going to make you guys happy because some of the shit that I've heard about this guy is really, uh, really fucked up. And Joel, I'll tell you after the show who we're going to do him with because... Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners, I just want you to know, recently a very, very good friend of mine decided rather suddenly to, uh, to opt out, if you will. And uh, none of us really knew that John was struggling with this kind of depression. And it really has struck home for me personally. And I want to stress with you fine listeners, and some of you have contacted me, and some of we, we've talked, and you have bouts of depression and anxiety and intrusive thoughts. And it's important for you folks to know, I, I can't stress this enough, that we here at the podcast are firm believers in good mental health and getting mental treatment. If you are feeling these thoughts and you are f having these thoughts and feeling these feelings of self-harm or intrusive thoughts involving hurting yourself or even ending your own life, it is important. And I, Stephen, I think I can speak for you when I say this, that it is of the utmost importance that you talk to someone. You cannot fix this on your own. This is not something that you can just tough through. Depression, anxiety, self-destructive behavior is deadly. And it is of the utmost importance that you find folks truly take it seriously. And understand that there is no shame in seeking help and in getting help. It is the only way that you are going to to truly grow and become better. So on behalf of the Curly Mustache Pod, on our website, on, on our Facebook page, you're going to find links for who you can call, who you can talk to. You know where how to find us on Twitter, on Facebook. Contact us personally. We will give you information on who to talk to. But... The memory of a good man, John Beerley, I, I highly cannot say it enough that it is important for you, if you have these feelings, or you're feeling this kind of stuff, talk to someone. And that's really what I want to That was well said, Joel. The most important thing that you can do to help us is to spread the word and tell your friends. Uh, they can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Overcast, uh, and many other podcast platforms. Um... If you haven't done this, uh, I would. Or if you haven't done this, I suggest you and uh, your friends subscribe, follow, download, rate, and review. And if you haven't followed us on social media, do it. You can find us on Facebook. <laughs> do it. Do it. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at the Curly Mustache Podcast. Uh, you can see all kinds of cool content on these platforms that have to do with our episodes. And uh, if you'd like to check out other shows on United Cipher, go give a listen to Motion Picture Meltdown and Music Video Countdown. Or you can go back and listen to older episodes like Talks Over Games, The Anime Alphabet, or Fallout Forecast. And lastly, check out some of our shows from friends of ours like Nerdonomy, The Whiskey Reel, Sorry to Waste Your Time, and Code Yellow, A Scare Actors Podcast. I'm Steven. I'm Joel. And make sure you stay evil. <laughs> <laughs>